Episode 10, Jane Wenning, Certified Athletic Trainer. So what would you say is your favorite mistake, Jane? Oh, my favorite mistake. To start with, I would say sleep. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Raven. We're joined today by Jane Wenning. She is a certified medical technologist. She's an athletic trainer and a health coach who's been helping women improve their mental and physical health for over 20 years. So Jane, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you? Thank you, Mark. I'm great. So what would you say is your favorite mistake, Jane? Oh, my favorite mistake. To start with, I would say sleep. And to go back, um, I've had a love-hate relationship with my body since I was probably 13. I think there are a lot of women that can relate. And that love-hate relationship continued through high school and into college. And when I got to college, I was studying clinical laboratory science and I was working with athletes at the university. And I started to meld both of those worlds together to create my own fitness, Mm -hmm. my own understanding of what it meant to be healthy. And so I'm now married and, and have kids and I'm doing my version of healthy and, um, busy, super busy, because being a wife and a mom and working in the corporate world and then doing some health coaching, very busy. So I would go to bed at midnight and I would wake up at four in the morning and I didn't even need to set an alarm clock Mm. because before I'd go to bed, I would drink two or three big glasses of water. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to get up. And then when I did, I would just stay awake. Right. So that was where I, I thought I thought I was crushing it. I'm working 20 hours a day. Other people are doing, you know, eight and 10, maybe 12. I'm so productive. I'm so smart. I'm crushing it. And then I got a call from my husband. And he said that one of his paychecks from a couple months ago hadn't been deposited yet. And could I follow up on that? So I searched everywhere that I could think for this paycheck. I finally found it in a briefcase that I hadn't used in years. Hmm. And I know I had that same thought. I'm thinking I should be, I should be just ecstatic that I found the check, (laughs) but all I could think was how, how could I be so dumb? How could I be so careless? How could I make such a mistake? Yeah. How did it, how did it get there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought I was losing my mind. Well, I'd obviously put it there because I'm the only one that handles our family finances. Uh, But what I realized, Mark, is that I wasn't losing my mind. I was chronically sleep deprived. Mm. And so that started me on a journey of studying about sleep and the effects that sleep 
can have not only on your mind, but also on the other pillars that I have in my my balanced life plan. Mm-hmm. So um, do you think you were sleepwalking or in some sort of days at some oh, point? Um, no, no, you, no. I just that check in the suitcase or, or the briefcase? I, I, just, I think that it was just me being in a brain fog. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of people that are in a brain fog and they do things and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. And so, so that moment, that was a wake up call. Did that lead to some different behavior on your part? Or did your husband say, Hey Jane, you, you've got to, you've got to figure this out. Or you, you realized. Oh, you no, 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 no. I, I completely covered that one up from my husband. I deposited oh. the check and he was, he was <laughs> not the wiser on that one, but um it, it did change my behaviors because I really wanted, I felt, Mark, I felt like I was so on point with my diet, with my um, exercise and my movement. So I thought, what could possibly be wrong? And it wasn't until I dug into things further and found out the huge mistake of not sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so you you were, you know, uh, burning the candle at both ends or whatever, phrase you want to use. And like, I mean, I I read, you know, profiles of um, entrepreneurs and CEOs, and this is almost glorified of like, you know, so-and-so executive gets up at 4.15 every morning and is on the exercise bike by 4.30. And and it's really celebrated um, in in American culture, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. But what studies show is number one, that uh, when we are sleep deprived, first of all, sleep deprivation and fatigue account for more than 60% of doctor visits. And when we are sleep deprived, then we are at higher risk for, in our current state, for um, depression and anxiety and brain fog. But Mark, the scary thing is, down the line, that sets us up to be at a higher risk for Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super scary. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it. There's also the aspect that when our bodies aren't recovered, then we make poor food choices mm. because when our bodies don't get the recovery piece and they need that energy, that's when we start reaching for the foods that aren't so good for us, the, the quick energy type of things. Right. And then in addition to that, when we don't allow our bodies to recover, we don't have the energy to put the movement in our day. We don't have the extra capacity to care for our families or to deal with some of our coworkers in the capacity mm-hmm. that we should. Yeah, so mistakes related to sleep can lead to other mistakes, health mistakes, right. workplace behavior mistakes, um, career. Productivity, mm-hmm. a lack of productivity, that's, that's another big thing. So that seems like the catch-22 then. So as an engineer, I love thinking about not just um, efficiency, but effectiveness. And someone might say, or you might have said, well, you were awake 20 hours a day, but were they really ineffective 20 hours as opposed to having a more well-rested 16 or 17 hours awake, right? Right, right. Now, here's the other, here's the other interesting piece of this. Our bodies, um, there are four sleep st- um, stages. And our bodies recover and our muscles repair and our brains detoxify Mm -hmm. in deep sleep. 
And deep sleep, for the most part, only happens between 11 at night and two in the morning. It's tied to our circadian rhythms. So if we're sleeping four hours, but in my case, sleeping from midnight to four, I'm missing half of my deep sleep event. So whether you're sleeping four hours or whether you're sleeping seven or eight, make sure that you are sleeping between 11 at night and two in the morning. That way you can get the most restorative sleep. I'm, I'm curious what you think about this then. So you can see I've, I've, and people on YouTube can see I'm wearing a, a sleep tracker. It's a, you know, it's an exercise tracker, sleep tracker. And then, you know, I have my phone app and I, I don't know if you give much credence to this, but yeah, I mean, I look and see there is more of that deep sleep kind of immediately. I'm usually asleep by 10 o'clock or so. But yeah, I, I see that pattern. The first couple hours of sleep or deep sleep, and then later into the night, there's into the morning REM sleep. That's the, the pattern that you're describing? That's correct. Yep. Yep. And if and somebody delays going to bed, um, it, it, it's it's not necessarily your first couple hours of sleep. What you're saying is it's tied to circadian rhythms. Yes. Time yep. of day. Correct. Correct. Um, in, in your experience, and you know, you started, um, you know, uh, you know, healthcare education. There are a lot of people who work in healthcare, well, in other industries too, but especially in healthcare, people are working night shifts, um, different shifts. Then that that causes problems uh, if they're sleeping in early mornings or middle of the day. Yeah, that throws their circadian rhythms off, and unfortunately, that's you can put your circadian rhythm back in check, but it's it's really hard to do. And I can attest to that because I worked the night shift while I was in college and I did feel like a walking zombie a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the, you know, just follow up question on, on sleep trackers, do you, do you use that or recommend that? Or is it just a more matter, hey, you've got to be in bed and trying to fall no, asleep at a certain that, Mark, that's a great question. I do use a sleep tracker. I actually wear an aura ring. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. And it doesn't um it it doesn't count my steps. That's another gadget that I have for that because mm -hmm. I again I'm a nerdy. Thing. Mm -hmm. I I like my gadgets, but all this all my aura ring does is tracks my recovery. Mm. So it will tell me what percent of deep sleep I've gotten. And it will tell me, okay, these might be some suggestions why you haven't gotten the deep sleep that you should. Mm, interesting, cool. So then do you end up working with, um, uh, working with people who are struggling with sleep? One, one common thing I think, you know, some, some people will say, uh, I, I just don't require much sleep. So how do you know, how do you help them figure out if that really is the case or if they are sleep deprived and maybe unaware of it or in denial of that. And that's interesting because everybody is different. Um, I've, I've worked with people who, especially when I start working with a client, the first thing they wanna focus on is their diet and their nutrition. But in my SURE plan, we go, we go through the survey and I ask them a lot of questions about other areas of their health as well. And I've found that when we start with sleep, we can balance out the other areas of health and they kind of fall into place and changes can be made a whole lot easier. And if that person is one of them that says, hey, you know what? I only need four hours or six hours of sleep. Great, more power to you. Mm -hmm. Love that. 
but you know what? Let's sleep. Make sure you're asleep then between 11 and two. Mm. And then um, anything that you get outside of that is just great. And for those people, um, like a six hour sleep cycle makes perfect sense because sleep cycles normally happen in about one and a half hour waves. So if you want to be one of those people that only get six hours of sleep because you you really need to get some things done, then time your sleeping so that you are sleeping between 11 and two, but then you're only getting that six hours of sleep and you are breaking that sleep cycle when you're at the top of it. There are a lot of people that wake up to their alarm clock when they're in the bottom of a sleep cycle because maybe they've gone to bed later and they're in the bottom of a sleep cycle and then they wake up and they're tired and they're groggy and they I don't can feel that difference. Why. Yeah. 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 Um, so tell, tell, tell us more about um, you frame kind of health more holistically in, in four pillars. What, what are those four pillars, Jane? Okay. So the four pillars that I have are recovery, emotional energy, nutrition, and movement. And so recovery is is sleep plus it is or sleep just sleep? Plus. It is sleep plus. In mm -hmm. each one of my pillars, there is a balance. Again, this goes back to the nerdy lab person in me. Everything has to be balanced. <laughs> and so there's sleep, there's nutrition, a piece of nutrition that plays into recovery. Hydration and nature is a big piece of recovery. A lot of people don't think about that. So it's just literally getting time outside. Oh, yeah. Time outside, the fresh air, the sunshine. I'll tell you why the sunshine is so important, especially if you can get sunshine on your eyes and your skin first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. That helps to reset your circadian rhythm. Yeah. So it's so great. Yeah. So you um, are in Minnesota. I grew up in Michigan where, you know, I could think of work weeks when I was um, a young adult right out of college where I could go an entire Sunday night through Saturday morning without seeing the sun because the days were so short. I was working inside, you know, yep. windowless environment. Um, that that can have a real effect on people in different ways, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So there are things that you can do. There are happy lights that you can buy. So right now, I, I wake up before the sun does, and I might be into my workday and not able to go outside. So I use a happy light then in, in the darker hours in the morning to help reset my circadian rhythm right away. Yeah. So, and when you talk about um, emotional energy, tell us more uh, about what you mean by that. Wow, emotional energy. It encompasses so much, especially now in this time where, where we seem to be living in isolation and fear. These are all very new things for us. And how our body and how we allow our body to respond to this emotional pull, this emotional inundation, I should probably say, um, that's, that's a big piece because if we don't recognize our emotions and deal with them, they can cause stress to build up, which then turns around and has an effect on our recovery. Mm -hmm. So this is all very interconnected. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, it is so interconnected. And then, you know, I talk about um, movement. Um, what, what do you see as connections between 
exercise and, and mood or what, what you call emotional energy? When people are able to move, they produce a serotonin, which is a happy hormone. And I felt it myself when I haven't been able to get my workout in because of work schedules or travel or whatever it is. I do not feel quite as happy. In fact, it used to be a standing joke in our house when my husband would get home. And if I wasn't bubbly and happy, (laughs) he would ask the kids, did mom not get her workout in today? (laughs) So it's that apparent in some people. And you really need to put that movement in your day to to induce those happy hormones. So, um, you know, thinking back to, again, you know, as, as an engineer, you know, I think about um, activity and um, outcomes or, you know, effectiveness of movement. Are, are there mistakes, common mistakes that you see people make related um, to, to movement and exercise where maybe, you know, best efforts are not really as impactful or um, what, 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 what do you see happening with, with clients or people in general? So... One of the questions that I get a lot is, what is the best exercise to do? Okay, here's the best exercise to do. What you like to do, (laughs) because then you're going to do it on a consistent basis. You can't do what your neighbor is doing or your friend or your even your spouse. Because that if it's not what you like to do, you're not going to do it. And the big piece, I have three C's. The first one is consistency. Mm -hmm. An 80-20 rule is great. 80% of the time, if you can stick to your plan, that to me is consistency in this world that we live in. The second C is creativity. I might have the best laid plan for my workout and then something happens and I'll get a phone call right before my workout and then all of a sudden my time is cut short. So I still have to get some movement in, but now I have to be creative. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece is compassion. Give yourself grace when things don't go your way because life happens and it happens often. And if you don't allow yourself some grace and some compassion, then, then the opposite is just true. You just beat yourself up and it's the guilt and and then it goes back and it affects that emotional energy pillar. So, so an example of that, I might think of like, you know, I make exercise a, a very regular habit. Um, that's been one plus of pandemic times and not having business travel. Got no excuses of business travel. I'm home. I, have, I can get into routines and, and make it a habit. But I'll tell you, there are some days where like I really intend to work out. And then for some reason, I'll feel like, oh, my energy level just isn't there. And I didn't work out as long or as hard as I intended to. What you're saying is don't beat yourself up for those days when they happen. No, 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 absolutely not. Because Mark, a lot of that is tied to your recovery. Mm -hmm. It's great that you listen to your body and you listen to your body. And if your body just isn't recovered and energized from the day before, put that movement in, but maybe you just don't go all out. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that that yeah. There, there's that balance, I guess, of listening to your body versus pushing through. The same thing might be with sleep, right? If you want to listen to your body, your body's trying to tell you, your brain's trying to tell you you're sleep deprived. 
maybe you need to listen and, and, and not power through. That was one of your key lessons, it seems. Oh, right. And I, I'll, I'll give you another mistake that I made. Um, one of the things that I do in addition to watching my uh, information on my aura ring is I also do a heart rate variability every morning. And this tells me how, it, again, it tells me how recovered I am from the previous day. Hmm. Okay. And I, I continued to get very low scores for probably three weeks on my heart rate recovery and telling me back off, back off. You need to take a rest day. You need to tone it down. And I literally would look at my phone and say, I'll show you. And I would go into the gym and I'd crush it. Mm -hmm. And that happened for about three weeks. And then I tore my rotator cuff. Oh, okay. Gosh. So I was forced and then it was, it, that was a huge aha moment in itself because it's like, you've got all these tools right here. Why aren't you, why aren't you listening to them? Yeah. That's a great, great lesson. So um, Jane, last thing I want to cover, um, you know, some of the approach that you use, you know, as a, a trainer and a health coach, uh, an approach you call your SURE system, if you could talk about that for us. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So SURE, S-U-R-E. The sure, um, the sure plan, the first part of it is a survey. So I sit down with my clients or I Zoom now in our, in our world. Mm -hmm. I Zoom with my clients and I have 10 or 15 questions. We just have a, a short discussion on where they are as it relates to these four pillars. The you is unique because not, and no, no two one of my clients are the same. They don't have the same body type. They don't have the same likes or dislikes as it compares to nutrition or movement. So everybody is unique and I create a unique plan for each person. Mm -hmm. The R piece is revisit because after you've put someone on a plan, you need to go back and revisit that plan. Right. Is it working? Is it not? I mean, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result. So I make sure that we check in often to see what's working and what's not. And then the E part is empower because I feel like all the knowledge that I've gotten over the last 30 plus years is a gift and I need to empower the people that I coach, that I mentor, because I want them to have a, this knowledge. I want to give it to them in the Cliff Notes version, but I want them to have this knowledge. It's it's kind of analogous to uh, analogous to teaching a man to fish versus giving him a fish. Right. I can pack up their meals for them. I can give them workout plans, but if we create this together and they learn. Yeah, that's going to do them so much more good in the long run. Yeah, and I'm I'm you know I'm smiling as I hear you say that because even though the work you do is very different than the work that I do, you know my day job is a consultant. The language is different, but the thought process is very much the same, right? So you might go into an organization and do an assessment. That's your your survey. Realizing mm -hmm. every every organization you work with, every leader you work with is unique, and then you know a lot of um, and some of the guests I've had on the podcast who do similar work to me talk about these cycles. You don't just have a plan, but you start down that path. And then as you put it, reassess and empower or co-create with your clients. So I, I, I really yeah. love what you're saying. It's funny how there can be similar thought processes in, in different lines of work. Yeah, that's great. 
So, um, well, our guest here today has been um, Jane Wenning. And um, Jane, if people want to find you um, online and, and social media, where can they learn more about you and your work? So I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And they can just type in my name, Jane Wenning, and there I'll be. Okay. And you have a, a website as well, mychoiceshealth.com, right? I do. That website is... Um, being changed over okay. to reflect more of what I do, 4-pillarshealth.com. 4-pillarshealth.com. Yes, and four as in the number four, dash pillarshealth.com. Okay, well, I'll make sure that that's in the show notes. It sounds like you've reassessed your website and you're empowered to make these changes. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, good. Good luck with um, the launch of that. So, Jane, it was a pleasure to meet you, and, and thanks so much for sharing um, some great tips and, and reminders for us to think about um, our health and especially our sleep. So thank you for that. Wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity, Mark. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.